Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Blast. All right, here's a trade you never thought you'd see. DeAndre Hopkins to the Saints for Sean Payton. Would you do it? Yeah, me too. Because everything the Cardinals need, Payton provides. A commanding voice from the top, a head coach who knows how to hold players accountable, a real offensive guru with a history of sculpting offenses around his talent, and the kind of guy who can look Kyler Murray in the eyes and say, okay, so you say you want to win the Super Bowl? You really want one of these rings? Okay, here's how. Now prove it. Of course, Hopkins has a no-trade clause, so he'd have to approve such a deal, but either way, trading DeAndre Hopkins to the team of his choice should net the Cardinals enough capital to satisfy the Saints if Peyton is truly interested. Now, the Hopkins rumors are most unfortunate because the Cardinals bent over backwards to accommodate him financially and because Hopkins will have a and leave a very shaky legacy in the Valley. He's a player who wowed us all with one-handed catches and wizard-like ball skills, but a player who missed 19 of 34 games in the past two years and helped sabotage the 2022 season with a PED suspension. And by the way, we're still waiting for that proof of innocence, he promised. Either way, I make that trade every time because Sean Payton would bring real culture, a hardcore culture, and a winning culture to Arizona. And if it's true that Kyler Murray is the real problem with this football team, Sean Payton is the closest solution Michael Bidwell will ever find. All right, today's Bitly Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Shotgun formation for Kyler Murray. To his right is James Conner. Two receivers left, two to the right, second and ten. On the Cardinal 47-yard line, McBray motions into the line of scrimmage on the left side as a tight end. Snap to Murray, drops back to pass, fires left side. It's caught inside the 35 at the 32 by Hopkins. Stood up there by Derwin James to gain a 20. Great throw by Murray. First down. Remember those days, Big, where Kyler Murray, James Conner, and... DeAndre Hopkins were all on the field. Oh, yeah. You remember that? <laughs> that was remember cool. those glory days of Hollywood Brown and D-Hop and Trey McBride and, yeah. Rondell know, Moore. And Rondell Moore. Wow. Isn't that amazing how um, that worked out? Zach Ertz. So the DeAndre Hopkins trade rumors are the next big story in Cardinal land as Michael Bidwell do- goes out pursuing a GM and a head coach. Um, this came down yesterday via the one, the only Jordan Schultz, son of Howard Schultz of Starbucks fame. So so it's very conceivable that Jordan Schultz does have good sources um, and he gets good news trickling down from his pops, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm quite certain of that. He's also about a... Swing it and miss He's it about happening. a 250 yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I know a lot of people um, reacted to the source of who was bringing that news about DeAndre Hopkins, but I think the people who've uh, been talking to people and who've been following this kind of know that this was inevitable, mm-hmm. that this was going to be a fork in the road this football team had to deal with. What do you think about DeAndre Hopkins' time in Arizona? It's complicated. I was. It's certainly complicated. I was. I was thinking about that earlier in the show. You know, when we we first talked about these these Hopkins developments that that, that could bubble up, uh, and before Jarrett ruined the whole gist of your blast. <laughs> before Dan stole yeah, my idea, right, right. no, 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 no. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got receipts. Documentation. Two was written. 
Vince, you work with two equally brilliant minds. Hi, <laughs> Dan and Sarah. What? <laughs> What's up? Sup? How would I describe DeAndre Hopkins' time? I mean, Steve Kime absolutely fleeced the Houston Texans. We can agree on that. Mm-hmm. And it came out of left field. Nobody saw that coming, even though that deal had been agreed upon for quite some time. Uh, I think Steve Kime took advantage of Bill O'Brien. They didn't give up much to get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that first year, Hopkins was a force of nature, uh, you know, including the Hale Murray play to mm-hmm. beat Buffalo. That oh, yeah. was obviously the high point of his stay here. But after that point, things kind of didn't work out as well. You had the injury last year. You had the suspension this year. And then, you know, back-ended by the, the, by the injury. Productive, but I can't say it wasn't worth it again because they didn't give up much. Mm-hmm. But if this is it, it was, it was largely disappointing, I would say. Yeah. Because yeah, I listen. think the combination of Murray and Hopkins had a lot of people shaking in their boots around the NFL, and it amounted to one playoff appearance and no wins. Yeah. So the question becomes now, if if D-Hop really wants out, if Michael Bidwell and the new GM might be, might be inclined to accommodate him because um, what is the price of not accommodating him? Are we looking at a guy that just won't play football here? Or it, it, and But more to the point, you wonder what you could get for DeAndre Hopkins. Do you remember what the Miami Dolphins had to give up to get Tyreek Hill? It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I've heard people speculate that the Cardinals might be able to get a first-round draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins. If that's the case, that's very underwhelming because they gave up a first-round draft pick for Hollywood Brown. Mm -hmm. Which shows you how ridiculous that move might look. All due respect to Hollywood, Hopkins is a far better and more complete receiver. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think that it, this might be a mutual kind of parting of of the ways, and again, not to look for a, a silver linings where there aren't any, but there were things that DeAndre Hopkins brought to the Cardinals that I did not necessarily care for, and that was when things got real bad on the football field, he had a hard time controlling his emotions. Remember how he flipped off the ref? But more to the but more to the point, it was the not practicing. It was the Wednesdays off. And, and however you want to slice that, I, I want my next football team to really be cognizant of the idea of of replicating game speed somehow in practice, of not punting on practice. Practice Monday through Saturday, I understand that rest and recuperation is the new thing in sports, but only to a point with an NFL team. Yeah, and during the beginning part of DeAndre Hopkins' stay here, we talked. We had that discussion a lot about those those Wednesdays off, Veterans Days off. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he just he didn't practice in Houston. He didn't practice here. Toward the end, it wasn't even an issue anymore because nobody was practicing no- on Wednesday, <laughs> and it was a season long yeah. thing. And I think that's part of the reason why. And you can list a million different reasons why Cliff Kingsbury is no longer the head coach. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Is is the handling of training camp. The handling of the offseason and the handling of practice. Mm-hmm. And I think you oh, saw man. a lot of those results on the field. Now, when you ask about potential trades, uh, the, the phrase that follows it, especially on social media, who says no? DeAndre Hopkins to the Saints for Sean Payton. Who says no? DeAndre think, Hopkins I, I, says no. I think in this scenario, the Saints would say no as well. Really? Yes. 
if you're the Saints, you want to get a lot of draft compensation. Yeah, not, nece- they don't even have not a necessarily a veteran wide receiver. But I don't, I don't think. And any, Hopkins might say no too. <laughs> would any team yeah. ever though really go and give up two number ones like the Raiders gave up for John Gruden? I don't think that's ever going to happen. I again. don't know. And you asked the question about what, um, but the Chiefs got in return for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, a first round pick, a second round pick. Uh, two fourth round picks and a sixth round pick. That's a lot over the course of two drafts. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Something to watch. Yeah, it's it gonna is. be interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, coming up next, if not for the J.J. Watt farewell tour, the Arizona Cardinals last month of the season would not have been watchable. Uh, we're gonna get a bigger glimpse of that farewell tonight on Hard Knocks, and we'll get into that subject next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Final moments of his career. He comes out of the huddle right now. In fact, he's going to walk off. And he's going to come to the Cardinals sideline. And this game is going to pause and salute J.J. Watt as he takes off his helmet one last time. Salutes the crowd and comes to the Cardinals sideline. Gets an embrace from his position coach, Matt Burke. You can see the emotion on his face. He hugs Vance Joseph, who was there from the beginning. J.J. Watt, a couple of sacks, three tackles for loss, about a million handshakes and salutes today. And as Vance Joseph said, he's earned every accolade. It's Paul Calvisi Sunday in the waning moments of the Cardinals' season-ending loss to the San Francisco 49ers in the waning moments of J.J. Watt's career. Uh, he said he wanted to go out playing good football. He did just that, two sacks in his final game. And it was a cool moment, um, you know, for especially happening in the stadium of a division rival, Bick, to, you know, for the 49er fans to put their remember, hatred or dislike for the Cardinals on, on the back burner for a second and really appreciate one of the rare guys we've seen in the NFL. The rare combination of on field dominance and greatness mm-hmm. and also. Uh, just tremendous community impact. It, it, you know, the, the list of guys that have done both is very short, and he's on that list. Yeah, the J.J. Watt experience is what I call it. He um, he is a self-made player, uh, and he, he is really kind of put together a, a career almost as well managed, maybe even more so than Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. a guy that is that does all the right things, says all the right things, is engaged with his community, reaches out, is, is seems accessible to fans. Yeah, listen, when he, when he came to Arizona, I thought to myself, all right, this is uh, this is a Steve Kime special. This is this is going and getting and possibly overpaying for a marquee player at a time when you're dealing with a lot of fan unrest and weirdness and worry. Let's go make a big public relations splash and get everybody excited. Terrell Suggs 2.0. Terrell Suggs, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and so uh, that was my thinking coming in and then coming in you heard um, reports that he had a little Kurt Schilling in him, a guy that was always aware of the camera and always playing to the cameras. So you're wondering, okay, what what is it? And he's a guy that had been injured. So you're wondering, what exactly is this cat about? Man, I tell you, he, he is he has exceeded my expectations. He has been so good for this franchise. Yeah. As I said earlier, he has single-handedly saved Hard Knocks. Tonight, <laughs> what, what percentage of Hard Knocks t- tonight do you think is allocated and dedicated to J.J. Watt? It's going to be the temperature percentage, 98.7. 98. <laughs> the, first, the first 80%. And then I would imagine 
the last twenty percent is going to be on Cliff. Cliff I don't know yeah, if they'll yeah, mention that though. They're yeah, kind they kind of glazed over the big stuff. <laughs> right. There was a little drama, and then you know JJ Watt. Yeah, uh, JJ. So yeah, we so, became aware of this yeah. last weekend that you know the night before the game in San Francisco that JJ Watt was presented with and shown a, a, a tribute video that was made for him. The the clips are out there. They're viral. They were released ahead of tonight's episode, <clears throat> and you'll see this. In its entirety tonight, but here's the audio of it. It's a, it's a little bit long, but this is just people from J.J. Watt's, uh, you know, football life, if you will, giving him the kudos he deserves on his way out. Where's J.J.? You're playing your last game tomorrow night, okay? Coach Burke had a great idea. You're going to love this, I hope. Brother, J.J., I just want to say congratulations on retirement. Um... And your resiliency throughout all the ups and downs, you ending up in the NFL and you being a defensive player of the year and you having all the success that you had showed me that it's possible. Congratulations, buddy. See you again. Congratulations on your incredible football career. You're an incredible player. Excited to see the next chapter of your life. Good luck, brother. Man, you were a pain in my ass for a long time. It was an honor to share the field with you. Congrats on your retirement and Hall of Fame career, Jage. It's been so special having a front row seat to it all and I couldn't be more proud of you. Love you, bro. JJ, before you were born, we had really big dreams for you and high hopes, but boy, you kind of blew those all out of the water on your own. We are so happy for you. Um, it's been just a complete joy watching you all through the years. I got to be a big part of it for your first uh, journey back in the day when I was your coach, and uh, it's been a pleasure to watch you ever since. Uh, kind of sad to see it come to your last game, but uh, you have so many great things ahead of you that uh, I'm looking forward to what the future brings for you. And it has been such an honor to watch you work your ass off these past years and do whatever you needed to do to be the best. And you've always been so generous and kind and loving to everybody around you. And you never forgot who you are. Congratulations. 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 I love you, brother. Um, just so proud of you. And I know Cole be so proud to be your son. So you can't see, obviously, the video, but when you watch the clip, if you watch the episode of Hard Knocks tonight, you'll mm-hmm. see, like, J.J. Watt just in tears reacting to oh, that. It hit him right at the very beginning. It, oh, yeah. The minute it started, he was gone. Yeah, it was uh, a really cool moment. Not just, like, little tears in his eyes, but yeah. just full-blown. Yeah. Which... Who could blame him? My it, gosh. It really, this whole thing, the whole discussion, the whole season, hard knocks, it really makes me wish we would have had J.J. Watt for more than just the two seasons, one of which was completely miserable. Yeah. Uh, he was he was one of the bright spots. You could name mm-hmm. the bright spots of this season for the Arizona Cardinals on an individual basis on one hand. He was certainly one of them. To watch him... You know, he kept this under wraps for a long time. He said he knew for a while this was going to be it, but mm-hmm. I thought he unveiled. I know you wrote about this at the time too, Bick. That you know, he, he it was another master plan, and it was carried out masterfully. And we got to see not team success, but JJ Watt just wreaking havoc. A guy that saw the finish line. And just emptied the tank. And it was exactly. beautiful, it was beautiful yeah. to watch. Yeah. And he got to go out on his terms, and you don't see that very often. I agree with Jarrett. Well, it's, uh, the NFL is a much better place with J.J. Watt in it. Uh, now, that doesn't limit him to being just a player in the NFL. Hopefully, there's still some connection moving forward. But if J.J. Watt wanted to keep going, 
And I was the Arizona Cardinals. I'd sign up for two more years of that experience. The, uh, listen, the not only did J.J. Watt save hard knocks, but on some way, I, I think he is largely responsible for this team getting to the finish line with some semblance of dignity. With with some fight, with yeah. going down, swinging we, all that. We stuff. didn't see that embarrassing, you know, no. eyesore of a of a lopsided final score down mm-hmm. the stretch. I mean, they lost their last seven games, but were competitive in in most of those games. The people around JJ Watt in the d- defensive lineman room they rallied around this last stand from JJ Watt, and so second to last game he gets the sack he was looking for, which put him over the. T- uh, the double-digit plateau, which he really wanted. He also had a couple of bad neutral zone infractions, and we saw that. <laughs> we saw that, you know, the mm-hmm. the 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 mea culpa from J.J. Watt after the game felt really bad about that, took a disproportionate amount of blame for that game. But then he followed up with a two-sack performance in San Francisco yeah. or Santa Clara. So, you know what? And he finished with, what, 12 and a half sacks? That's pretty 12 good. 12 and a half, yeah. That's pretty and, good. And we saw... His relationship with Zach Allen, with mm-hmm. Zayvon Collins, with these guys on defense through it's a hard knocks. Thing, man. It's a Another one thing. of the highlights of the season was the video that went uh, went out with JJ uh, Watt explaining hockey to Zayvon. Oh, that was the greatest. <laughs> that was. What do you call those things? You're kidding oh, yeah. me, right? Like, You're yeah. kidding right now. You kidding me now? This is a prank, right? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> you look like a moose. Uh, yeah, JJ Watt will be featured heavily. My favorite was hard knocks. Was was the Rondale Moore? Thing. Hey, what's the matter, man? Oh, man, I dropped a pass. Oh. And you're a wide receiver? Yeah, that's oh, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah you that's should be, be upset about that. Yeah. But that. That's not good. But that's that, not good. That's the greatest. With that's, the advice that he needed to rebuild his yeah, confidence. Right. Is it a Wednesday or is it a Sunday? Right. It's a Wednesday. Yeah. Catch the ball on Sunday. Yeah. But he's, he was great. He knows how to clown on people. That episode yes. in Zayvon Collins, he said, so listen, bad. if you fall down one more time, I want you to walk right in that building right there. <laughs> if you had any so hands great. whatsoever. Who sent you a Christmas card? That's yeah. right. For me. I'm going to fire that guy. We just need JJ. Watt to agree to another uh, uh, dive bar afternoon. Yes. Why could we have not gotten J.J. Watt as a recurring guest, Jarrett? <laughs> Come on, do something, Ferret! Or, or a one-time guest. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, uh, Sun's big win last night. We'll talk to Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer, about it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suzanne, CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Yeah, for the first time in a while, the Suns won last night. 125-113 on the road against Golden State. Short-handed. And here to talk about it with us is the uh, Hall of Famer, the legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, who checks in for Al about the Suns on this Wednesday. Good morning, Al. How are you? Well, good morning and uh, a little happier uh, this morning with the way the Suns were able to get that victory in San Francisco last night. It was impressive. And when you think about the fact that there was one starter in the lineup when that game started. But the thing I wanted to really point out this morning we all know that when the Suns are playing their best is when they control the tempo of the game, where they push the ball, they get it up quickly, they beat the defense, they pass the ball like it's a hot potato, and they get good shots at offensive rebounds. But with no Booker, 
those things had fallen away. And we had seen this team walking the ball up and not getting shots and not getting rebounds. Well, you have to give those uh, players last night, the four that started with Mikel Bridges, they came out ready to play the way the Suns like to play, need to play, and they got the win. Yeah, it was it was improbable to say the least, uh, and it got a little bit tenuous at the end. And the way I view it, Al, is we, we saw both good and bad about the NBA in general last night. That was one of those games, if you're Golden State, you might chalk, to, chalk up to, oh, maybe they're affected by the length of the season. They had their whole team. The Suns are struggling. They come in, maybe they overlook that team, and it's not that big a deal. The great part of it, though, was, and it was stressful, for Suns fans is that got down to about an 11 point lead with 90 seconds to go and it didn't feel safe the game is really never over either and I love that about the NBA just your thoughts on that well that's true but I think there's a couple of things uh, really behind that Uh, the Suns don't have a point guard (laughs) and uh, even though Washington pushes the ball and he's really great at doing that and he's a big spark plug uh, he's not a ball handler he's not a point guard and when you go into the fourth quarter against the Golden State team and the officials and I won't name them allow you to grab and hold and push and trip to do anything defensively to get the ball you're going to be in trouble and the Suns just not any ball handlers in that fourth quarter and obviously uh, they were probably running out of uh, a little strength because none of these players had played that many minutes. But I think basically they just didn't have anybody on the floor that could handle a basketball. And with Golden State being allowed to defend the way they were, it got a little shaky. But I certainly have to commend them that they were able to, to finish and hang on and get the win. Now, another thing I wanted to mention is Dario Saric. Yes. Now, we know his capabilities. He just hasn't been able to get the minutes to really get back on track. He did last night, and that was terrific. I totally agree with you on, on everything you had to say. I was telling Vinny earlier that, you know, beating the Lakers and LeBron never gets old for me, even if it's a preseason game. And I feel the same way about beating the Warriors. All the yapping they do, all the yapping Draymond does, all the yapping their fans do. What, though, can the Suns take out of last night's game um, if, if it was more like an anomaly like Vinny described? Because even Eddie Johnson tweeted out the box score and said, I can't believe this starting five did that to the Golden State Warriors. What kind of takeaways from last night might help this team moving forward? Well, I tell you, we you know we don't always uh, uh, commend Coach Monty, but I have to commend him for the starters that he put out there. Uh, four non-starters with Michael Bridges alternating his big men, and that was, was a very, very good move. And giving Dario Saric the playing time, and he certainly made a contribution. Uh, I think again, it goes to show what the strength of this Suns team is. As I mentioned uh, when we started visiting this morning, they have to push the ball. Mm -hmm. They have to control the tempo. They have to move the ball because when those things happen, then you get good shots and you have an opportunity to get an offensive rebound, and they did that last night. They beat this Golden State team on the boards, which is highly unusual. Now, the Warriors, and and I'm sick of them also uh, because they all yap and they have the big mouth on everything, and of course, they had their superstar back last night, and so they really wanted that game. They didn't just give that game away last night. They got beat. 
Yes, that's true. Al McCoy, our guest, as he does uh, join us every Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going back to your earlier point, and, and Bick and I talked about it earlier in the show too, Al, is the reason why that got close was, you know, the defensive pressure, maybe the lacks of officiating, but you mentioned it, the lack of a ball handler available to the Suns at that point. And in recent years in this Suns run of success, we've seen them pretty well stocked at the point guard position with Chris Paul, with Cameron Payne, but always a third point guard, at least on the roster, whether it's Aaron Holiday or Alfred Payton. Do you think that's something that the Suns and James Jones need to acquire and, and add to this roster before the trade deadline? Well, you're probably right because everybody's hurt now. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. All the other guards, and of course with, with Cameron Payne and not being available, that really has changed things for the Suns. Uh, and right now, obviously, they need a, a point guard, no question about it. Whether that uh, means you have to do something along those lines in the future or right now, even uh, if this Jake Crowder thing ever gets finalized, uh, maybe that could bring a, a backup point guard. But uh, yeah. of course, the injuries are the big topic right now. I thought I thought it was a neat scene to see Damian Lee get his championship ring from Steph Curry and the Warriors, and then go on to score twenty two. He's been a really nice addition, hasn't he, Al? Oh, no question about it. And that's uh, what we see so many times in all sports. He's just gotten the opportunity to play, and he's had the ability. He's matured as a player. We know he's a great shooter, great three-point shooter, and he's really been uh, a big plus for the Suns, no question. Al McCoy, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings every Wednesday morning. And I, I don't want to harp on this, but we know the Suns are going through it from, from an injury standpoint. Uh, it's rare to see it to this level. Uh, my question to you is, you, you've watched more Phoenix Suns basketball than anybody, Al. Have you ever seen anything like this in terms of rotten luck with injuries? Never, never. In my 51 years, I have never seen the the Suns depleted by the injuries and the key players uh, like this year. It's unbelievable. But as we've talked about before, we're seeing it a great deal around the league. And uh, for various reasons, that probably would take a, a couple of hours to uh, to get into. But I've never seen the, the Suns have, have these problems injury-wise at all. It's also been a very odd year in the NBA. As Vinny was talking about earlier, there have been a lot of strange upsets. There have been a, a revolving door of teams around the top of the Western Conference. What do you make of this season so far? Well, it's crazy. And I, I mentioned several times that I think uh, this league now is going to boil down to the last uh, maybe six weeks of the season. And the teams that are healthy with six weeks remaining in the season are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs and have a chance to, to win it all. And there are a lot of teams that could fall into that category. Mm-hmm. It's just going to really decide things by what team is going to be healthy when it starts to get down to the wire. Yeah, let's hope the Suns are getting all their injuries out of the way now so they're one of those teams in that last six weeks, Al, that is healthy. Well, no question, and there's plenty of time left. So uh, hopefully they can get some people back. But as I said, encouraging things last night, and I want to mention Dario Saric again because he's such a great guy. He loves to play. And he's had, uh, you know, struggling getting time coming back after the injury. But I thought he really uh, contributed last night. Al, great stuff as always. Good to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks. Al. Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer. 
the legendary voice of the Suns. It's all about the Suns every Wednesday morning here on uh, Bickley and Murata mornings. Uh, also want to remind you that uh, the countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun and Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So, you definitely want to text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, NFL playoffs are here this weekend, and there's a strange range of quarterback experience in one of the conferences. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. NFL Super Wild Card Weekend on tap for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Are you with me on that? That Monday night playoff I, I game stinks. I don't like it. No, yeah. I, I don't like it in the playoffs. You know, I, I don't like I, it either. I'm I'm a fan of eliminating Thursday night football with a couple weeks to go. Implementing Saturday games mm-hmm. down the stretch, but no Monday night football once the playoffs begin. Why would you? Why would you tax a team with a short week in the play? Oh, Although, I get it, money. Yeah, definitely money, and it's a, an attractive matchup. Last year, that matchup was the Cardinals and the Rams. That short week did not affect the Rams. They went on to win the Super Bowl. This year, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the champions of the NFC South with a losing record, 8-9, and mm-hmm. hosting the Dallas Cowboys, a 12-win team. And it's not just an 8-9 and nine Tampa Bay team. It's an 8-9 and nine Tampa Bay team with the most storied quarterback ever uh, in Tom Brady with 35 career playoff wins. And these examples of teams that win their lackluster divisions with a losing record, mm-hmm. they've actually done pretty well in the playoffs. There's three examples of non-strike uh, seasons where this has happened. Right. Seven and nine Seahawks. The seven and nine Seahawks. Sean Alexander, who beat Sean. Payton, uh, no, it was with uh, Marshawn Lynch. Oh, right. That's the beast, right. The yeah, Beastquake the beast, run. The Beastquake. They beat right. Sean Payton and the Saints that day. Okay. Uh, the 2014 Carolina Panthers won the South at seven, eight, and one, and beat. The Arizona Cardinals, who were down to Ryan Lindley at quarterback, and they managed, what, 78 yards of offense in that game. And in Tampa Bay's Super Bowl run in 2020 during the pandemic, uh, Washington had a losing record as champions of the NFC East, hosted Tampa Bay, and Taylor Heineke and the soon-to-be commanders gave the Buccaneers everything they could handle. The Buccaneers won that game and went on, but that's 2-1 and in the last three instances of this happening. And it's not going to shock anybody if the Buccaneers, with the losing record, beat the Cowboys on Monday. No. I I think a couple things. I think there's a lot of internal fuel slash embarrassment of being a team with a losing record in the playoffs. So if you're sitting there, you're going into the postseason, you're either hearing about how you don't belong, or you're feeling like people are talking about you not belonging. And so I think that's a powerful um, element to focus a football team. Um, and, and then you get the lack of pressure. I, I think this weekend's game is extremely dangerous for the Cowboys because the amount of pressure on this football team and on this head coach after the way they finished the season and given the fact that they're a 12-win team in a conference that is wide open, um, I, I think that pressure might be suffocating suffocating to a team like the Dallas Cowboys. They better win or or Mike McCarthy is going to be gone, gonzo. So 
here, here's what I brought up earlier in the day that I think is so relevant to, to this year's playoffs. And I agree with you. You step back and you look at the opening weekend mm-hmm. and you're like, there's not a ton here. There's not a ton of really interesting stuff to kind of to kind of like you know dedicate an afternoon around. I yeah. think I think the Cowboys Buccaneers game's different, but I do too. But yeah. let me let me pose it to you this way. Mm-hmm. You've heard the cheesy like movie trailers or movie commercials where the big voice guy comes on and says, "If you see only one movie this summer, make sure it's yes. fill in the blank." Yes. If you could watch only one playoff game this weekend, it would be fill in the blank. Yeah, and I, I think it would probably be that, be the Cowboys-Buccaneers game. I, I, I agree with you, but I will say, and isn't it funny we're picking the team with the losing record. If Lamar Jackson plays, Baltimore-Cincinnati gets okay, bumped up pretty high that. on the list. Yeah, I'll take that because I don't like the Cowboys or the Buccaneers. So to me, it, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of enjoyment in that game other than cheering the demise of one of those two teams. Uh-huh. Um, so here's what's so weird about it. The AFC, it's the, the structure in the AFC, the path in the AFC, it, it's right there in front of everybody. Will Lamar Jackson jump into this mix that seems to be a battle of three quarterbacks? Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen for the right to play Patrick Mahomes, and will one of them be in a neutral site? That's You can wrap up the drama in the AFC in a sentence. In the NFC, you've got one team sub-500, yet that sub-500, 500 team has got the quarterback with all the playoff experience. Brock Purdy, zero playoff games. Dak Prescott, one in three in playoff games. Kirk Cousins, one in three if my math is accurate. Jalen Hurts played in one playoff game last season. That's all he's got. Daniel Jones, Zippo. Geno Smith, Zippo. There's no experience at the quarterback, real experience at the quarterback position when it comes to getting through these playoff games. And Tom Brady has got it all. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you're going to bet against the 8-9 and team in the NFC? If I'm picking who I think is going to win, you factor that in. They're at home. They've got Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there is a player with more pressure on him individually going into this weekend than Dak Prescott. You know, the national panel shows will talk about the Cowboys ad nauseum anyway, but they really talk about the Cowboys when Dak Prescott leads the league in interceptions, oh, yeah. hasn't played well. They're coming off a putrid offensive performance in their last game against Washington, and it's America's team with the nonstop sound bites and soundtrack of Jerry Jones talking about you know winning Super Bowls. And I think Dak Prescott's got the by far the most pressure on him. This he weekend. led the league in interceptions in twelve games played. I know that's the other thing, and he's seven straight games with a pick. Um, I, you think I, he has the most pressure? The, inter- the Lamar Jackson thing that you brought up is interesting because he's in a contract year, and he bet on himself, and for the first half of the year, it looked brilliant. He was an MVP candidate. Yeah, but He it, hasn't played, and there's the questions now about like how quickly is he trying to come back from this injury? Yeah, but the pressure, I think, is marginalized by those things. It, it, it's minimized by those things because there's still a chance that he's not ready to go, legitimately not ready to go. Um, now, if he makes the d- determination himself... I need to be out there for my team or myself maybe moving forward. Well, that 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 shifts the uh, 
the pecking order, I, yeah. I, I think. But right now, Dak Prescott's under immense pressure. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, when you when you start looking at the way pressure has affected that team and the and that quarterback in the past, it's been a, so a real real iffy thing. Now you know these all these playoff games go. All you take is one good game, and you feel like you're back in the fast lane and on your way to the Super Bowl. But this is going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this thing shakes out. I think in the AFC, these looming battles of the Titans, I think, will generate great interest. Um, I think the the neutral site game is most unfortunate, but something that's probably going to happen. Um, I agree with that yeah. too. Have they they still haven't announced where that would be? Right? No. I would think that they have that figured out. Right? It's not going to be a last second scramble. Uh, I mean, they got some time. They they got three weeks before the championship weekend, um, and you know, we saw. Detroit have to pivot in the regular season when Buffalo couldn't play their game there. They got ready on a couple days' notice. Now, is it different because you want the fan bases to be able to attend? Certainly. And it's also different because all, a lot of these stadiums have already made postseason plans. To, that's why they said they can't have it in Indianapolis. Yeah, I wonder what the deal is in Detroit. Because when you look at the proximity of those teams uh, that could be involved, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, that, that triumvirate of teams... That seems to be a pretty convenient location in Detroit. You don't have to deal with the weather. I know you're bummed that there's going to be a roof over it. How about yeah. having back-to-back games in uh, Arizona? Championship game, Super Bowl. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, it's too much of a travel for those three teams. Yeah. You've got you've to keep it centrally located for that fan base. Mm-hmm. For those fan bases. You can text your but thoughts. Do it in Cleveland, man. Why not? <laughs> Remind everybody in Cleveland what they're missing. <laughs> Gotta ask Baker Mayfield. He still lives there. Oh yeah, a conference championship game in Cleveland. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> that, that would be. Great. That would be the ultimate oh, insult, wouldn't it? Just rubbing it in the and face. And the Browns are Oh man, <laughs> I hear Cleveland's beautiful that time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle will guide us through some social studies. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.